0: Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Matthew chapter 9. My message tonight is called the kind of faith that attracts miracles. I'm telling you, friend, if you've got a major obstacle in your life right now, you got a big decision to make or there is something going on that you cannot solve on your own. I am telling you, you came to the right church tonight. You could have gone anywhere in the city, but you came to the right place tonight because I'm going to show you the kind of faith that attracts miracles. Can I see your hand? You say, Andrew, I need a miracle in my life or in the life of people that I care about right now. Every person in this room. My hand's raised as well. Amen. I need God to move miraculously. And if you do, you came to the right place because I'm telling you, He is the God of the impossible. You know, if I didn't believe that after 20 years of doing local church and preaching, maybe, I don't know, more than that, 25 years, I certainly do now. As I've traveled around the world, I have seen again and again, and I'll share a few stories with you tonight. He is the God of the impossible. I know that because in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus has just healed a little girl. In fact, he's done more than that because the Bible says he just raised her from the dead. You know, like Ben was saying before, we can read the word of God and it talks about something amazing and just skip on, but just think about that for a moment. Jesus came into this girl's room. He spoke a word to a dead body. He raised her up and the two of them walked out of there together. You need to know tonight that when Jesus walks into your room, it doesn't matter what the doctors say and it doesn't matter what the doubters say. When Jesus walks into your room, friend, I'm telling you, dead things start coming back to life. That's the kind of God that we serve. Yes, you can give him a clap for that because he's a good God. He's the one who can take something that's seemingly impossible and make it possible. And so Jesus has just raised this dead girl back to life. And the news of this miracle begins to spread. And it didn't take too long for two blind men to hear the news. And I reckon one of them said to the other, man, if Jesus can do that, well, maybe he can do something for us. And so in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 27, we read these words. As Jesus went from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. Now, the fact that they called him the son of David is significant, tells us something. It tells us that they were believers. They didn't just think this was some great teacher, some, you know, cool guy, some guy that had amazing things to share and a a wonder worker, miracle man. They believed that he was the Son of God, the Messiah, and they call him the Son of David. So they're believers. That's important. So I want you to picture the scene. Here's two blind men. They're shuffling along behind Jesus, and the Bible says that they're crying out for mercy. It's interesting to me because I thought they wanted a healing, and yet they cry out for mercy. Now, can I tell you tonight, there's nothing wrong with that because healing is a mercy. If you've ever received a healing, you know that that is from your merciful God. The Bible calls God the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. So let's understand that just as as God has mercy to forgive us, he also has mercy to heal us. But let's understand something else about mercy tonight. Mercy has nothing to do with what any of us deserve. Now, if you've always been perfect, well, good luck to you. You don't need mercy, right? If you've lived a perfect life, you can get by on justice alone. We say, oh, we want justice. Well, that's great. I don't want justice. I grew up in church and I was a rat bag. I learned to take money out of the offering, Ben. I got so good, I could look very pious and put my hand in there with those big velvet. You remember, the, some of you remember those red velvet with the wooden sticks, right? I got so holy. I could, as a kid, I could put my hand in there like I was giving. I was taking money out, man. I used to go during Sunday school I mean, goodness, you get locked up for those things these days. But there was no no care about things. You know, I just go up to the local shops, skip out of Sunday school, nine, ten years old, buying lollies with stolen money from church. Now, God's got a sense of humor because I ended up as a pastor for many years teaching people to faithfully return their tithes. And oh, my goodness. So listen, if you've always been perfect, well, that's great. But I'm telling you, for a lot of years, I would steal anything that wasn't nailed down. I was a shocker of a young person. If you've been perfect, you can get by on justice. But if you haven't always gotten it right, like me, you don't want what you deserve. What you want is mercy. And thankfully... He is the God of all mercies. I don't care what you've done or where you've been. He's the God of all mercies. And I mention that tonight because especially when it comes to healing, the devil will try and tell you, oh, but you messed up there and you screwed up there and you did this and you said that. So you don't deserve anything from God. But see, that's the thing about mercy. Mercy is about getting what we don't deserve. That's the cool thing about it. Now, none of us deserve that from God, but mercy is what he gives to us when we don't deserve it. And so these two men are shuffling along behind Jesus and they're crying out for mercy. Now, what we don't get from the English translation is how serious they were about getting his attention. See, this little phrase, to call out, means to scream at the top of your lungs. It was an old word that was used most commonly to describe the sounds that a woman would make as she was going through childbirth. And you've got to understand, girls, there was no epidurals back there. There were no drugs back there, right? This was natural childbirth, like full-on natural childbirth. And, and so that sound, some of the blokes in here know that sound, right? You, you, you're smiling and you, you're not wanting to nudge your Significant other, but you know what i 'm talking about, right? You know that sound when a woman is giving birth well well that 's the kind of word that was describing what these two men were screaming out man they weren 't being polite they weren 't asking quietly, yeah. they were yelling out as loudly as they could. now why why would they do that? Well, because they were desperate right. for a miracle, man they, they, they were blind, right. They didn't care how much noise they made. They didn't care who they disturbed. They didn't care what anyone thought. The truth is they were blind and they wanted to see. I don't know what experiences you've had with being blinded. Maybe you never have. But there was a time when I went to the optometrist. I was living in Adelaide and I went to the optometrist many years ago. And he said, look, I've got to check something out. I'm going to squirt this red dye into your eye and it's going to make your pupils all dilate and you're going to lose your vision for about 20 minutes but it'll give me the opportunity to check what's going on there and then it will sort itself out. Did anyone have that awful test about 20 years ago? No, no one, just me. Okay, so it's pretty awful, right? So they squirt the dye in. He looks for, oh Ben, it must have been like two seconds and he says, yeah, you're good, you can go now. Well, great. So I stumble out. It was on the first floor. I go out. I go out into the street in Adelaide. Now, granted, Adelaide's not a big city, but it felt big to me back then. I'm stumbling around. I can't see anything. All my vision's all crazy. The people kind of look like... You remember in the Bible where Jesus talks about... It goes to heal these guys. And, And he says, can you see? And the guy says, well, you know, the people, they all look strange shapes and elongated. And then so he deals with him again. And then he can, you know that story? Well, that's what it was like for me. People were all these weird kind of things and, and cars and, and whatever. I was convinced that whatever this optometrist had done, man, it sent me blind. I was never going to be able to see again. I'm like, man, I'm going to need to get a stick. I'm going to need to have one of those cute Labrador dogs. I'm never going to see again. And after 20 minutes, just like he said, it wore off and I was perfectly fine. But I'm telling you, in that moment, I felt helpless and I was afraid. It was really bad. That was just for 20 minutes. And we don't know how long these men had been blind. Maybe they were born blind. And so I want you to understand tonight that if there was a chance... Just a little itty-bitty chance that they could get a miracle. You know they're going to go after it, right? You know they're not going to worry about anybody else. They're going to go after this miracle. But I want you to look with me at what it says next. Because in verse 28, it says a very interesting thing that you can miss if you're reading too quickly. Verse 28, it says, When Jesus had gone indoors... I don't want you to miss that tonight. Here's these two blind men. They're crying out for mercy. And apparently, Jesus goes right on walking and goes inside. There's no indication that he looks in their direction. We got no indication from the gospel writers that he talks to them or acknowledges them at all. Here's two blind men, right? These are needy guys. They're they're holding on to each other. They're shuffling on. They're like, pick me, Jesus. Pick me for a miracle. But apparently Jesus keeps going right on walking and he goes inside. So what did they do? Well, verse 28 tells us, it says, When he'd gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they responded, yes, Lord, we believe. And Jesus touched their eyes and he said, according to your faith, it will be done to you. And their sight was restored. Would you notice something in that story? It was not according to their social standing that they got a miracle that day. It's not according to where they lived not according to their educational levels. It was not according to the brand of sneakers they wore. It was not according to how many Bible verses they could quote or how long they had been in church. Jesus said, according to your, what do you say? Faith. faith. He, he said, according to your faith, it is done for you. And immediately the Bible says their sight was restored. I don't know about you, but that encourages me. That encourages me, friend, because it tells me that being a candidate for a miracle has nothing to do with what you did in the past, how badly you messed up there, how educated you are or are not, what you do for a job or not, how long you've been a believer. It was according to their faith that they got a miracle that day. You know, faith is one of the most important things that we can ever learn about. According to the Bible, it's the way that we're supposed to live. It's how we're meant to walk. The Bible says it's the victory that overcomes the world. That's why the Bible talks about faith all the time. And Jesus talked about faith all the time. You know, people say, oh, he's one of those faith preachers, man. If Jesus was here, we'd be saying he's one of those faith preachers. Because that's all he talked about, right? Right. That's why the Bible talks about it. That's why Jesus talks about it. But I want you to know the enemy wants you to be ignorant of faith because he knows that if you get full of faith and you start acting on your faith, it's going to bring down barriers, it's going to attract blessings, and you're going to get free. So the enemy doesn't want you to know what we're going to talk about tonight. And Jesus knew that too, which is why he asked two blind men, do you believe that I'm able to do this? In other words, have you guys got the faith to believe that I have the power, the ability, and the anointing to do this? Now, they obviously did because they said, yes, Lord, we believe. Is that right? Is that what they said? They're like, yes, Lord, we we would believe that. I don't know whether they'd heard much about Jesus you know, maybe he was just passing through the town. They'd heard some stories or whatever. But man standing in his presence, they said, yes, Lord, we, we believe you're able to do this. And so in verse 29, we're going to put it on the screen. Jesus touches their eyes. And I want you to get this tonight. If you don't get anything else, Jesus says, well, then, according to my power, receive your miracle. Is that what Jesus said? Uh, Jesus looked at them and he said, According to my ability, as the coming King, the Son of God, the Messiah, according to my ability, be healed. Is that what he said? Oh, He said, According to the will of God, we really don't understand why, but God must have chosen you specially. Man, you're so lucky to get your miracle today, boys. But according to God's special will... You get your miracle. Is that what Jesus said? No, no, no. That's, that's not what he said. In my Bible, it says that he touched their eyes and he said, according to your faith. Yeah. Yeah. Not according to his faith. Not according to his power. Not according to his ability. Not according to God's will. Not according to anything else. He said, no, no, no. no. According to your faith, This is going to be done to you. I want to ask you a question tonight. Is it God's will for us to walk in health and wholeness? Is it God's will? You're allowed to answer that? Yeah, Yeah, it is, right? Is it God's will for us to be flourishing in our finances and delivered from all fears and living in freedom? Is that God's will for us? Absolutely, right? The Bible is very clear. Now listen, we can't receive from God something that He hasn't provided. If He hasn't provided, we can't receive it. But if He has provided it, we don't need to sit back and wait for it to drop in our laps. We don't sit back and wait for something and ask for something if God says, I've already provided that for you. That's what a lot of people do. A lot of people sit back, they read it in the Word of God, and then they sit back and they ask God for something that He's already provided. Now, if he hasn't provided it, that's okay. Sorry, but if he hasn't provided it, you ain't getting it, right? But if he has provided it, we don't have to sit back waiting for him to give it to us. So I want you to write this down if you're taking notes tonight. And even if you're not, write it down. Put it in your phone. Man, if you're under 30 years old, you can peck this out on your phone in three seconds. Just write this down. Write down what grace has provided Faith must possess. That's what I want you to write down. What grace has already provided through Jesus' shed blood on the cross, faith must now possess. Grace has provided it, made it available, but faith must receive it. It must stretch out and possess that thing that grace has provided. You got it written down? What grace has provided, faith must possess. Jesus asked these two men a question. He said, do you believe? And he asked that question because he wanted to know whether they were willing to apply their faith to the problem that they had. They were blind, right? They had a problem. And he said, do you believe? Because he wanted them to apply their faith to the problem that they had. See, Hebrews 11 verse 6 in the Amplified Bible says something pretty scary. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God at all. Now that means you can sing in the band, you can preach the sermon, you can host on the front doors, you can lead the kids. But without faith, the writer says, it's impossible to please God even a little bit, right? That's how important faith is to God. And that is because God responds to faith. You look at all the people in the Bible, God responds to their faith. Now, when pastors, preachers talk about faith... Some people get nervous, they get uncomfortable. And I'll tell you why that is. It's because at one time in your life, you were believing God for something and you're like praying about that thing and believing that thing, but it didn't happen the way that you had expected it to happen. And someone who didn't know their Bible very well came to you and said, oh, the reason you didn't get your miracle is because you didn't have enough faith. Anybody heard that? Man, you didn't have enough faith, right? If you'd have used the right confession, if you'd have had the right King James version of the Bible, if you'd have bound the devil and fasted for 40 days and stood on your head in the corner, then you would have got your miracle. But sorry, you just didn't have enough faith. A lot of people have been hurt by that statement. Listen to me, friends. Just because something didn't happen the way that you wanted it to happen or someone said it would happen does not mean that you did something wrong or that you didn't have enough faith because my Bible tells me that to every person in this room, we were all given what's called the measure of faith. And that measure of faith, friend, is enough to move mountains. So don't tell me you don't have enough faith. You have enough faith, it's just that many times we don't use the faith that we have. The Bible doesn't say that the Apostle Paul got a bigger measure of faith than you got. He got the measure of faith, I got the measure of faith, you got the measure of faith. We all got the measure of faith. It's how we use it that makes a difference in our lives. Paul got pretty good at using his. But some of us are still in, on training wheels, right? That's okay, we learn it. The disciples didn't understand this either. They came to Jesus one day in Luke 17 and verse 5. And they said, Jesus, would you increase our faith? Now, I don't know what they were thinking. Maybe Jesus would like lay hands on them and zap them and they'd just be full of faith. And so Jesus responded to this question because he knew that they were not getting it right. And he basically says, boys, faith is so powerful. Just a tiny little bit as big as a mustard seed is enough to rip trees out of the ground and cast them into the ocean. In other words, you've got enough faith. You're just not using it properly. And so instead of asking a question of how much faith do I need to get a miracle, a much better question to ask is what kind of faith is honoring to God and what kind of faith attracts miracles. And from this story, I want to show you tonight three kinds of faith that absolutely will honor God and will attract miracles into your life. Does that sound all right to anybody? Can we talk about this tonight? I know that I'm stirring some of you up tonight. I absolutely know that. Some of you are going to have to go home and read the Bible for yourself. Read the New Testament. Read what Jesus says about this. Because we're stirring some things up for you. But that's a good thing. You'll remember this night. Because God's speaking to you about some things tonight. You're going to stir up your faith to believe him for things. Some of you that you have never believed God for in the past. You're going to believe him for bigger. For greater. Instead of just living a small life, you're going to grab a hold of this tonight. And I tell you, you're going to be different because you can believe God for big things. He wants great things for you, right? So what kind of faith honors God and attracts a miracle? I I shared some of these same keys in Asia recently. And a lady who hadn't been able to see for 15 years had her eyesight completely restored overnight as she applied this word. They filmed it. The pastor of the church, she was a staff member at the church. They filmed her. She came, rode her motorbike through the streets of Phnom Penh, where we have a children's education center for 100 street kids. And she was working there, right? And, and she was, her vision was so perfect that she could get on her bike, no glasses, no, no lenses, and dro- ride her motorbike. And if you've ever been to Phnom Penh, you know unless you're healed, you don't do that, Right? She rode her motorbike all the way in. She came into the staff meeting. They filmed it for me. She's bawling her eyes out. And she said, I've you know been to all these doctors. I've had strong prescription lenses. You know what happened? She went to bed that night and she took God out of his word. She got up the next morning and she realized, oh my goodness, I left my lenses in last night. Because she could see, right? And that's a bad thing to do because they can go behind your eyeball and you know, awful awful things can happen. You don't want to leave them in overnight. So anyway, she goes to the bathroom. She undoes the little things. She looks in there and oh my goodness, her lenses are in the thing. She did take them out, but in the night, God healed her vision. So she's bawling her eyes out, sharing that with the staff meeting. I shared some of these principles in a meeting not too long ago and a young man who has never gotten out of his wheelchair before I finished the message. I was still preaching. We weren't even up to the response time. This guy is strapped in. He starts undoing. He was sitting right here. He starts undoing his straps. He stood up and walked around for 20 minutes while his wife just stood there and cried. I'm telling you tonight, if you need a miracle, grab a hold of these keys. What kind of a faith honors God and attracts a miracle? Number one. It's a faith that believes before it sees. If you want a miracle, you got to believe before you see. That's the kind of faith that God responds to. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the confidence that what we are hoping for will actually happen. You know, that word hope is not kind of like wishful thinking, the word means confident expectation. And that's what faith is faith is a confidence. Faith is expectation. I'm persuaded that God is true to his word and what I'm believing for will actually happen. That's what the Bible says faith is. It's confidence. It's not a wishy-washy thing. It's confidence. And the Bible says it's the assurance, that word is evidence of things hoped for but not yet seen. That's what faith is. Faith always deals in the unseen and the unfelt please understand that what why why does faith always have to deal in what we can't see and can't feel well because if we could see it and if we could feel it we wouldn't need faith right i'm sorry to say but faith deals in the unseen and the unfelt so i want you to show me your hand tonight we're in church so we're going to be really honest if you need a miracle from god You're believing God for something, but right now in the natural, you can't see it. You can't see it in the natural. Wow, all right, just about every other person's hand is up. The kind of faith that attracts miracles, friends, is the kind that believes before it sees. Jesus asked, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Now think about it. These men are still blind. Nothing's changed for them at this point. So standing there in their blind condition, Jesus said, do you believe? And they say, yes, Lord, we believe. I love that. How cool is that? Man, you know, it's not like they could see just a little bit. It's not like vision started to clear up and they said, oh, yeah, Jesus, we believe. Oh, my goodness, I can see. No, no, no. Still blind as a bat. Yes, Lord, I believe. I'm telling you tonight, friend, belief is the key. Belief is the key. Let me say something that's going to make a few people mad, but you go and study it for yourself. I'm telling you the truth. We do not receive from God according to what we need, we do not receive from God according to what we deserve. We receive from God according to what we believe. There's a lot of people in the New Testament that had needs. There's a lot of needy people in our world today. We don't even receive according to what God can do. We receive according to what we're willing to believe Him for. Can God do anything? Of course He can. So then how come everybody that believes in Him is not healed? Because we receive according to what we're willing to believe. Not according to what we need and not according to what we deserve and not according to what God can do. That's why in Mark 9:23, Jesus said, If you can believe, all things are possible for those that believe. So I want you to, I just want to challenge you tonight to think about a situation that you're facing right now, a difficult situation. Might be relational, might be physical, might be financial. And I want to ask you tonight, in all honesty, do you believe? that God is able to hear your prayer and respond to it and give you the miracle that you need? Do you believe that? Do you believe tonight that He's able to turn that messed up marriage around? Do you believe that? Do you believe that He can heal your broken heart? The person on your left and on your right, they don't know what you've been through. Do you believe that He can, in a moment, change your heart? Do you believe that the name of Jesus is bigger than the name of cancer? I do. I'm willing to believe God for that. And I'm telling you, the first kind of faith that attracts miracles is a faith that believes before it sees. Number two, second kind of faith that attracts a miracle is a faith that persists even though nothing appears to be changing. Just, Just think about it with me. These two men could have followed Jesus for hours. They're stumbling along in the dark. They didn't have a stick or a dog. They just had each other. And what does Jesus do? He keeps right on walking and he goes inside. Can, can you picture that? I can imagine these guys, they're, they're walking along. They're like, whoa, uh, Jesus? Well, Jesus, are you still there? And, and someone like, probably called out to them. Hey, hey you guys, uh, maybe don't worry about it. Jesus is gone. He's probably not going to help you today. He, he's gone. Where did he go? Well, I don't know. He sort of went into that house on the corner there. Maybe he's hungry for lunch. Don't you think that these two men could have gotten bitter and disappointed and resentful towards Jesus that day? Man, they've been following along, crying out for mercy. He goes to someone's house for chicken rice or whatever it was that they were serving up back in the day. Hummus probably in in Israel. Anyone been to Israel before? Man, that's all. They feed you over there. Hummus and falafels. Good stuff, though. Yeah. <laughs> Did they get bitter? Did they get disappointed? Did they get resentful? No. The Bible says that they grabbed each other and they chased after him. And I can see. Come on, bro. I, th- I think it's this house in the corner. Well, well, what do you think we should do? Should we knock on the door, man? Not, we're not going to knock on the door. They'll either throw us out or Jesus will see us. But we come this far. We can't stop now. And so they just barge into someone's house what kind of faith attracts miracles? A faith that persists even when nothing appears to be changing. That's why Paul says in Colossians 4 verse 2, be persistent in prayer and keep alert as you pray, giving thanks to God, because he knew that a faith that persists persists, and an attitude of thankfulness, even when nothing appears to be changing, that's the kind of faith that attracts miracles. You know That when you pray, the Bible says that God sends angels into operation. When you pray, now you may not see something, but when you spoke that word, angels go into operation. Things are happening in the spiritual realm. You say, oh, it doesn't appear that God's doing anything. Man, God's doing something. You can't see it. If we could peel back and see what's really going, and you go, oh my goodness. Faith persists even when nothing appears to be changing that's the kind of faith that attracts miracles and some of you need to hear that tonight because you've been praying about something for ages but lately the accuser's been coming and he's been whispering in your ear and saying why do you keep bothering to pray because God's not doing anything he's not going to answer your prayer things are never going to change well, friends, I want you to know something tonight. The devil is a liar and you will get your answer because God responds to a faith that believes before it sees and God responds to a faith that's willing to persist when nothing appears to be changing. And number three, God honors a faith that takes action even when it doesn't make sense. James two twenty four. Says we are shown to be right with God by what we do and not by our faith alone. What kind of a faith attracts miracles? A faith that steps out and acts even when it doesn't make sense. You know, Ben mentioned before that after 17 years of leading local church. God called us to step into itinerant ministry, give up our two full-time wages and trust him by faith to get out. And then he said, oh, and by the way, that ministry in Cambodia with those seven full-time staff and 100 kids, I want you to financially support that under your ministry as well. And we thought, well, since we're not earning anything at all, why not just take on some more? I mean, God's our supplier, right? okay. Now, I'm telling you, that doesn't make logical sense. You you know, that's not logical to do that in the natural. That's crazy. Our accountant thinks we're crazy. -hmm. Absolutely. Our bank manager thinks we're nuts. Some of our family and friends think that we are crazy. But I'm telling you, friend, when God speaks to you and you know that he's spoken, all things are possible for them that believe. Amen. That's what the word of God tells us. I'm talking tonight about faith that takes action. Faith in action is building an ark when it's never rained before and everyone's laughing at you. That's faith in action. Faith in action is running towards a giant with nothing but a sling and a couple of stones. That's faith in action. Faith in action is getting out of the boat and walking on water. That takes faith. Think about these two men in the story. They had a problem. Man, it was a big problem. And they could have done what many of us attempted to do. When we face problems in our lives, they could have magnified the problem. They could have sat at home all miserable, convinced God was never going to help them. They could have embraced the shame of the day that said, if you are not able in some area, you're blind or you're crippled or whatever, it must be because you did something bad or your family did something bad. And God's punishing you. Crazy belief. But that's what they believed. They could have embraced that shame. They could have lived shameful, miserable, hopeless lives. But instead, I'm so glad that they made a decision. Instead, they put some action alongside their faith and they did something. I I reckon one of them said to the other, man, it might be bad, but it's not over. And what they say about this Jesus guy sounds amazing. Man, we can't see, but we can walk. We we can't see, but we can cry out for mercy. We can't see, but we can follow. We can get into his presence. We can't see and we can't do everything, but we can do something. And we're going to go after our mirror that's the kind of faith that God honors a faith that acts even when it doesn't make sense I'm telling you friends that's the kind of faith that God honors so let's make this really practical and band you can come what is it that you can do this week to put some action alongside your faith let's say you're sick and you need healing in your body what can you do well you can go to the doctor And you can do what the medical profession tells you to do, right? You can do that. You can make sure that you're eating well and you're exercising and you're getting enough sleep. You can do that, right? You you can also declare God's word over your body and speak healing over it in the name of Jesus, right? You you can do that. And see, now what you're doing is you're adding some action to your faith and that's attractive that's what attracts miracles that's what attracts a mighty move of God see now your actions and your faith are working together does that make sense? well what about if you need deliverance from an online addiction you say man I keep failing in that area I feel guilty about it what can you do? Well, you can put a filter on your computer. You can put a filter on all of your machines. You can get someone to keep you accountable. You can stand in your authority. You can keep yourself pure. And now your actions are coming alongside of your faith. Make sense? What can you do if you're married to an unbeliever and they're giving you a hard time about coming to activate church? Well, what can you do? You can love them as Jesus loved the church. You can pray for them every day. You can speak blessing over them, not curses over them. And I'm telling you, friend, as you do what you can do, God is going to do what you could never do. That's the kind of God that He is. I want you to put down your things. I'm done preaching, but I want you to stand to your feet tonight. What kind of a faith honors God and attracts a miracle? A faith that's willing to believe before it sees. A faith that persists even when nothing is changing. And a faith that takes action, even when it doesn't make sense. Friends, tonight, Jesus is asking you the same question that he asked two blind men in Matthew chapter 9. Do you believe that I'm able to do this for every person in this room that needs a miracle? Your answer should be, yes, Lord, I believe. In spite of what I see, in spite of what I feel, in spite of what people say, In spite of it all, I choose tonight to believe. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.